Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be talking about spiritual connection and how it all works. My name is Curtis Childs. I'm the host. This is Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey Curtis. Thanks hey, so everybody. much for, for hanging out today. Hey, if you've been watching this show for a little bit and you haven't yet, please subscribe to our channel and like this video. Those things both help us immensely. Mm -hmm. We're already grateful to you for joining us, but that would just push it over the top, I think, for us. Today we're going to be following up on last week's show that we called Angels After Terrorism. And we call it that because we actually had an interview with two parents of someone who was killed in the terror mm. attacks in Nice, France a couple of years ago. Really powerful story. I would recommend watching it uh, if you haven't. And they told their story of how, you know, the loss that they'd been through, how finding our show and Swedenborg's material was helpful. And it was with grief and all that, but it was also a story of connection with their son, Nick, and, and right. the reality of the spiritual side of things, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, we became aware of them, actually. Amy, our uh, media, our, uh, marketing coordinator, she found this article, which was a story about those two. And there's them with their son, Nick. And in it, they happened to mention Swedenborg. And so we, of course, were always searching for where is that coming up. And we found this and we thought, wow, how do they know about Swedenborg? How do they know about the, the, the two angels that are with someone? We got in touch and it turns out they'd, they'd learned that from the show. So we're going to see a little more from Conrad and Paolo later in this episode. But tonight we want to talk about our, this idea of thought bringing presence. Hmm. And not just thought bringing presence, but love bringing union. Yes, right. And that's sort of something that comes right. up throughout Swedenborg's work. Swedenborg right? talks about that quite a bit. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's like it's a universal principle in the, in the spiritual world. So let's look at these universal principles and what keeps people connected in the spirit. And we're going to begin with presence and union. So as we've said in past shows, getting together with people works differently in the spiritual world than it does in the physical world. That Swedenborg describes this sort of grand duality, that there's a physical side of things and a spiritual side of things. And they're both similar and different. I mean, they're... Right. They're similar in that they both have sets of, of laws, right? Just like the physical world is governed right. by gravity and, and that kind of stuff. And apparently the experience of being in each one is quite similar. You see similar kinds of things. Some people who've died and crossed over don't even realize they've passed on and so on. Yeah. And yet he describes a very different way that the whole geography thing works out. Yes, you, have, you can have an experience that's not too different, but the underlying principles, the mechanics for it are very different and in the spirit the things that matter are not are seemingly arbitrary physical forces. They are, you know, almost psychological yeah, forces. So this is from right. Swedenborg's Divine Providence, number 29. He says, In the spiritual world, all union takes place by means of attentiveness. When anyone there is thinking about someone else because of a desire to talk with her or him, that other person is immediately present. They see each other face to face. Literally, like literally present. Literally present. That's right. Not just like a, you know, video chat or something like that. Yes. Okay. The same thing happens when someone is thinking about someone else because of a loving affection, but in this case the result is a union 
Well, in the former case, it's only a presence. Wow, so presence already sounds pretty great. Yeah. But then you go to the next level where it's union, there's some kind of bond or togetherness or something that happens. And that goes with, he says, uh, spiritually, the intent behind something is what makes it what it is. So if you want to see someone for some tertiary reason, you want to interact or talk or something, that's one thing. But if you love somebody and that's what brings you together, mm. there's this whole different connection. This phenomenon, he says, is unique to the spiritual world. Yes. The reason is that everyone there is spiritual. It's different in the physical world where all of us are material. Mm. It's Sweden where we we'll often labor to make distinctions between the different kinds of substance and, That's right. and all that. He says, in the physical world, the same thing is happening in the feelings and thoughts of our spirits. What, is mm. that? what does he mean that by is, that? That is very interesting. What I think he's talking about is that if we sort of look at ourselves, we, we think of somebody, they'll yeah. be immediately sort of present in our minds. We sort of picture right. them and... And, uh, and so I think something similar is happening uh, at that thought level or the feeling level. It's just not that they physically come into our presence. Because, friends, your thoughts and feelings are spiritual. I mean, yeah. according to Swedenborg, the That's conscious right. side of us is our spirit. And, and the, the, actually that the input and phenomena we experience there, that's like the, the, the th way we feel about things, the insights, the ideas we get. That's the spiritual world coming in there. So We're already experiencing that at some level. Yeah. We're already playing this game, but it it's feels abstract to us because we're looking through the material body, so we don't seem to zoom around, even though our spirit is kind of doing That's that. right. But since there is space in this world, while in the spiritual world there only seems to be space, the things that happen in the thoughts of our spirits come out in actions there. Mm. That's cool. It reminds me of things that you read about in near-death experiences where people just, they want to see that hill over there and then whoop, they're right there. You know, yeah. it's a method of travel. It's just that desire takes them there. And I, we're trying to get technology that mimics that, but that's yeah. kind of built into the fabric because they're, right, what's psychological, what, what conscious beings are doing matters, like even more there. That can actually mm. rearrange the space of things. And so, so if two people um, if together on er, who are on earth are thinking about each other intently, it may be that their spirits are, are together. Yeah, Swedenborg says that he sometimes had the experience of having conscious interaction with other people in the spiritual world, yeah. the spirits of people who are still alive here. Oh, it's so weird. Here, oh, yeah. And then he would encounter the person in the flesh and they would act like they'd never met him and didn't know him. And it would be so weird to him. So, Wait, we just spent the last three days yes. talking, you know. Uh, so there's, there can be kind of a disconnect there in terms of the conscious contact yeah. or something. But, but, but still something's going on, some conversation. Right. You, you can still, there can be a spiritual connection. And if that can happen, you know, even abstractly, sort of, you know, almost like a, a sleepwalking thing between people here, what about um, us thinking about our loved ones who have passed on yeah, to that side. That's right. It's got to be a similar connection, even if we don't feel that it's like fully interactive where you get to ask a million questions or yeah. something like that. It's still a presence, a sense of you're, you're with, you can picture them in your mind's eye. And right. And who knows how vivid that actually is to them on that side. Yeah. We don't know quite what that's like for them. Well, Swedenborg talks a, a little bit about what it means to be appearing to someone spiritually. So he says, appearing to someone in an inner sense means being seen in thought, not with the eyes. So this would be a biblical phrase that he's picking up yep. here and explaining that this in the Bible, when you hear about something like appearing to someone, that means 
it's not physical eyes, it's, it's in your thought. Which, FYI, he says that all the text in the Bible is written in such a way that it is describing the sort of laws of how the spiritual things... That's work. right. It's really more about the spiritual world than it is about yeah. this world. Even though it doesn't seem like that. Right. Thought does bring presence, too. Because when you think about someone, that person stands present before your inner eye. Mm. And the other life, this happens in a very real way. Because when people there think intensely about another, that other appears in their presence. I like the word intensely there, that you're really, you know, sometimes you, you just yep. got somebody in your mind and you, for mm -hmm. an hour, you're just thinking about them. But it's not, it's not like, oh wait, who is that person at that? And you accidentally call like four or five different <laughs> right. people in. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to think no, about you like that. No, wrong last name, yeah, right. <laughs> this is how friends come together there, and also enemies, at whose hands they suffer severely. Wow, that quote took a bit of a dark hop at the end there, didn't it? Bit of a <laughs> by turn. the way, you'll be miserably Whoa. tormented. Yeah, well, but that is the other side of, it, of the same phenomenon, isn't it? That's and Swedenborg saw that happen a lot, that if you hold on to a grudge or to hatred, mm. it's the same principle, this can pull, pull that person towards you as yeah, well. Yeah, just oddly, it's just as much of a bond. It, it's just the flip side of that. Love connection. Well, I feel like that's extra incentive to let go of that stuff. You maybe, yeah. maybe work on your forgiveness. This is a way to break those negative attachments because those things are holding you back spiritually anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it's, it is an interesting quote, this idea about appearing, just, just popping up in the spiritual world. And I'm thinking, like, how would that work? And, and I'm, you know, in the physical world, l let's say that I was thinking about someone. Let's say I, I started to think in, intently about our art director, Matt. So oh, okay. Just picturing mm -hmm. him, and you kind of get a picture of it, you know, in your mind. But the, Matt, hey. Hey. hey, are you guys filming right now? Of course. Where does he go? I think there's like some ductwork back there or something. That's so okay. Crazy. So it happened that time, which it goes against the point I'm making. But yes, that's right. an anomaly, right? Usually, if you're thinking about somebody on Earth they don't pop up. They're not present. It's just no, in no, the mind. No, they don't. That's right. You well, may see them in your mind's eye, but it's yeah. like they might be on the other side of the planet or something. Yeah. But in the spiritual world, instead of just popping into the mind, it would happen like they that. They would actually appear would actually in a, so to speak, a fleshly form or something. They would be there in some physical form. That's right. And so it's that thought is like gravity that pulls and brings this presence and, and ability to communicate. But if it's, just, right. if it's just thought, um, it's, it's sort of temporary. You know? Yes, it's a very interesting example of how thought and, and love are two different bandwidths in a sense. Because if you think about someone, you know, maybe you want to have a debate or you want to talk about things, but maybe you don't see eye to eye. Yeah. But love brings a more <laughs> a permanent association, doesn't it? Like, like love right. goes farther than that. Well, Swedenborg talks about it in Apocalypse Revealed 937. In the spiritual world, knowledge and acknowledgement bring about all presence, while feelings of love bring about all connection. Mm. Spatial distance in the spiritual world is simply an appearance that reflects similarity of heart. That is, similarity of feelings and the thoughts that go with them. That's so wild to think about that... Um, the people who you feel this intense love for, so often in this world, you feel yeah. a love for somebody and then you have to part company uh, and, and you don't get to see them for years or whatever. It's amazing to think you'd actually be together in that other world. Yeah, the, their, the affection sort of warps space-time. That no, you're, right. you're close to people. Right. It's an it's a immutable law that you're only as far from people as you're far from them 
emotionally. Yes, right. It's amazing. It's so amazing when someone it. knows someone else, whether by reputation or because of business dealings or socially or as a relative, when the one thinks about the other because of their acquaintance, the other becomes present, even though they may have seemed to be hundreds of miles away from each other. Mm. So you can, yeah, there's this appearance that, you know, you don't see them around all the time, but they can be there in an instant. And that's not even the love one. But, that's just the thinking one. Yes. So let's get, let me see if I can deliver on this love one here. But if the one also loves the other, they dwell together in the same community. And if the love is intimate, they live together in the same house. Oh, that's amazing. That's really, really yeah. amazing. I know you can have that in this world where you feel like somebody's family, even though technically they're not a blood relative or something, right. you know. They're amazing to think that you would, you know, that would be manifested in some way in the spiritual And it's all this detail of how that arrangement occurs, that there are communities that come together because of a shared kind of love and wisdom, but then even within that, there are people, neighborhoods that are closer together, but even within houses, it's like you're with the people that, that you're going to most connect with and can most do useful things mm. for the greater good. I can't help but think good. that's going to be a great part of heaven. Yeah. You know, just, just that feature would kind of make it more heavenly. For uh, sure, you know, like, you, like everybody, just not knowing who the people you're living. Yeah, next and no more like, oh, my roommate, you know. Uh, so, if that's a principle, as we said, spiritual principles are consistent across all of that's spiritual right. reality. So, if that's what draws people together, couldn't this give us insight into how we draw close to or connect to God? Mm. Right. I mean, let's yeah, yeah, at, let's right. at least take our best shot at it. Yeah. Next part. So connecting with God, relatively important thing to do. I mean, a lot of people yeah, you would, are at saying like it's it the, be pretty important, the point of life, or it's, it's definitely, you know, Swedenborg, he's coming back with all this information and saying, you know, opening up to this connection is, is what we're here doing. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I'm interested in, in what insight Swedenborg had into yeah. how the whole thing works. And he actually breaks it down into, we've been talking about the spiritual world and the physical world. He says it happens differently for angels who are in the spiritual world mm. versus for us here in the physical world. Wow. So I want to start with uh, what he has to say about this, how this connection functions between angels and God. So this is from Divine Providence 29. I mention this to show how the Lord's union with angels and their apparent mutual union with the Lord take place. All the angels turn their faces toward the Lord. The Lord looks at them in the forehead, while the angels look at the Lord with their eyes. This is because the forehead corresponds to love and its desires, and the eyes correspond to wisdom and its perceptions. Still, angels are not turning their face toward the Lord on their own, the Lord is turning them toward Himself, and doing so by flowing into the love of their lives. He comes through this into their perceptions and thoughts, and that is how He turns them. This circle of love to thoughts and of thoughts from love to love occurs in all the functions of the human mind. We can call it the circle of life. It's got to be a pretty fundamental process to get called the circle of life. Yes. And there you see really? again, this, that there's a particular principle that is consistent throughout how the spiritual things works. It happens in little bits in your mind, mm. and it's the way that God is, is connecting to you. And several things about that quote are mind-boggling to me. First of all, just the, the nerve to say, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now 
<laughs> the relationship between God and the angel, how, how exactly how that works. Here's the mechanics. Sort of mechanically, right. right, how that how that operates and everything. So that, it's just amazing. And I don't know that I know exactly what he's talking about, but it's amazing that he's saying it's almost fractal that on all levels yeah. that's going on in, in some sense, that sort of cycle. It's also very moving to me that we may feel in the course of our earthly lives like we're we're seeking God and we're pounding on the door, you know, we're praying yeah. and we, we want this or we need that and everything like that. But this quote kind of makes it clear that, oh, no, really, the Lord is the active party and He's turning us toward Himself. Well, what we think is us trying to find Him and we may or may not be able to, it's like He's... He's when you get to that angel level, at least, yeah. you know, he's doing that. He's the active party. That is cool. That it's not. Hey, can I please get on your radar? It's that. It's that he's trying to get himself on our radar. He's he's doing it. Yeah. And look at right. the the asymmetrical nature of this connection. You'd think that. Yeah. Right. If you're going to be like eye to eye or something, yeah, right? You so, just yeah. stare into God's eyes, and that's how you really get to know each other. But Swedenborg is saying no. There's. There's a correspondence here that God is coming in through the place that symbolizes love, whereas we're looking from our understanding back to God. Uh, mm. And it's that you could get the sense, wait, so are you just sitting there kind of staring at each other the whole time? But the way that spiritual positioning and distance works is such that you can be doing something, living an active, fulfill, fulfilled life where you're do, you know, completing tasks and doing complex motions, but yet somehow on a fundamental level, you're always facing the same way. That's right. He says even four angels can be talking to each other like this, and they're all facing the Lord. You know, yeah. it's just a factor of how geography works in that world because it is about your love and your attention and so on. Uh, yeah, and he'll often say, oh, this is hard to describe because this stuff is, is pretty far out of our normal realm of thought. Yeah. But then again, when someone's trying to describe to me why time slows down at the speed of light physically, it's weird. It, it gets pretty heady there. Too. So yeah. if there, you know, it's hard for you and I to, to plumb this and know if it's how it really works, but how it does really work is probably going to be complex and, and strange, mm. just like this. And how about, you said for angels, but like for us. Right. Right? When we're here on earth, like do we just not have a connection? Or? No, we, there, that connection can be happening here. And uh, Swedenborg talks about it in Divine Love and Wisdom. Do you want to give this one a go? Sure, sure. Divine Love and Wisdom 137 to 139. It is the same with us. If we constantly keep the Lord before our eyes, which happens if we are engaged in love and wisdom, then it is not only our eyes and faces that turn to Him, it is our whole mind and our whole heart. That is, it is everything in our intentions and minds and everything in our body at the same time. This turning toward the Lord is an active turning. It's a kind of lifting up. We are actually lifted into heaven's warmth and light, and this is accomplished by an opening of our inner reaches. When these have been opened, love and wisdom flow into the deeper reaches of our minds, and heaven's warmth and light flow into the deeper reaches of our bodies. This results in a lifting as though we were brought out of the mist into clear air or out of the air into the ether. Further, love and wisdom, together with their warmth and light, are the Lord with us, the Lord who turns us toward Himself. This active turning toward the Lord comes from love and wisdom together, not from love alone or wisdom alone. So always in conjunction there. And I think about um, near the beginning where he says, if we constantly keep the Lord before our eyes, 
And what does that mean? What does it mean to keep the Lord before your eyes? And I think about the qualities that make up God, which is ah. this universal love for right. all, the want, wanting to serve everyone, the, the good and the true, that if we keep those sort of in our mind's eye, you know, it said that when you picture someone, they're in the mind's eye. If we picture those qualities, which are probably our best real picture of the Lord, right. and live a life according to it, that's got to be what, what creates this kind of connection. Glim- glimpsing that love, you know, in the birth of a child, or yeah. the, the, the circumstances of someone's passing into the other world, or just the way events, you know, go in, in their lives. When you stand back, you can see that, that mercy and that, that care that the Lord, Lord provides. And, I, I agree with you. And the eyes there have to mean our spiritual eyes, but it's our conscious focus, isn't it? It's yeah. like, where are you consciously focusing? Are you looking for this? Right. Are you looking to see those qualities, that, that the order that's present in the universe throughout? And, and give a little time to that, because if you just go on autopilot, your eyes, your spirit, which is what you're thinking about, just goes to like one uh, relatively superficial <laughs> concern to the next one to right. the next one. But if you take some time to, and it doesn't have to be that, oh, I'm not paying attention to anything of the world, I'm just thinking about God. No. But if you're driving on the road, you can be thinking like, how do I make it so that I'm a good citizen here, that I'm not too close to someone, that I'm not too slow, not too fast. You know, that, that is, in my mind, that's focusing on the yeah, Lord there. Yeah, that's right. And Swedenborg talks a lot about how that can be operative in the, the work that you do right. or whatever, right, right. you know, the, the main pursuits of your life, in your relationships, as you say, and in other ways. Yeah, so, so cool to think about. We can get that kind of connection started here, that if mm. we're thinking about God in that way, thought brings presence, and the more we learn to love that kind of life, the more we're getting that union, you know, living the it's same really house with God. It's really neat to think about even that cycle with the looking at the forehead and we look right. with our eyes, even here we can start to get that going. Well, who wouldn't want to have someone looking through your forehead or something? All right, so as you may have noticed, we're not like live live tonight, that there's not a, a chat. We're not, we're, we, we had to pre-record this because of the upcoming, some people won't be in the office and so on and so on. But that doesn't mean we can't do our Q&A because I'll just, we'll just make up questions. No, I'm just no. kidding. We've questions got real, come in all the time. We got, we got plenty of questions that come in after the fact. And we've got, uh, we're taking some from YouTube on these previous shows that we've done that we didn't get a chance to answer on this show, we're going to answer a few of your questions Mm. right now. Hopefully. So what's been on your mind, everybody? We're going to go through four questions that you guys had asked on four episodes that we've done in the past, and we're going to begin with this one. This is Pete Dawson from the episode Good Versus Evil on the Mountain. Does everyone have the tunnel experience before they enter the light? If so, at what point are we met by the two angels? When he's talking about tunnel experience, I would imagine this is mm. the, the commonly described part of the near-death experience where you're initially going through some kind of funnel or tunnel or opening towards a bright light. Yes, you're traveling in some way. That's right. And the two angels are something that Swedenborg describes, traveling with every person. So, do those mesh with each other, and what order do they come in? Do you have any thoughts it's on this? A, it's an interesting point. Uh, the first thought that comes to mind is that Swedenborg talks about this incredible force of attraction uh, of the Lord drawing your spirit. He said, if you were, um, you know, if your body was in a million pieces, yeah. in effect, uh, 
the Lord would just draw your spirit together and it's just so powerful. It's, yeah. it, no, no other force in the universe could resist this drawing that the Lord does. And so that seems to me related to this experience that people have of the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, Swedenborg doesn't specifically talk about a tunnel of light. Uh, from what he describes, he says that these, these two angels are with us even before we die. They're already with us. So I think, in a sense, they ride with you through that whole experience. Right. They're present with your heart. They're present at a very deep yeah. level and kind of communicating to see if their thoughts are being received by you. and. Uh, and they're just attending you yeah. through that experience. And so I imagine that they're with you as you go through that tunnel, although you may not be aware of them at okay. that time. Some people do sound like they're aware of other people sort of traveling right. with them, but it happens with great variety. Okay, okay. Hey, before I give my part of the answer, what am I? <laughs> We kind of got this uh, echo going on here. Um, it's sort of like when you point a, a camera at itself. Um, it's interesting. A heart of stone. Is that what you're holding? Yeah, I guess so. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I, I, it's interesting that Swedenborg is, <laughs> is heralded for his similarities in near-death experiences. Yes. In the, very fr the book that coined the term near-death experience, Raymond yeah. Moody's 1989 right. classic, I think, Life After Life, he has a whole section on Swedenborg and how that's one of like four similarities that he picks out from historical texts to the modern phenomenon. However, the modern near-death experiences, of which I've read quite, quite a lot, they spend, they spend so much time talking about the process of what it's like to die and right in the beginning what happens. Swedenborg only mentions that like once or twice. It's, yes, right, and it's a pretty cursory description, you know, and, it's and pretty quick. Very know. little, yeah, very little detail about it beyond the, what, what objects and forces are at play. So I couldn't say for sure uh, how the tunnel plays into everything, but because he has so many other similarities, not only Raymond Moody's book, but then um, there was that book, Tunnel to Eternity, that, yes, that right. um, uh, Leon Rhodes wrote with Kenneth Ring in the foreword, talking about all the similarities that were Kenneth Ring, who's one of the early uh, near-death yes, people. One like Raymond Moody, he said, right. like, people who've had a near-death experience it peeked through the door into the afterlife, but Swedenborg explored the whole house. So it's not like Swedenborg is in any way refuting the NDE, he's co corroborating it, but there's just not a lot of detail on the most potent aspects of the N NDE and where they fit in with Swedenborg. And as always with Swedenborg, uh, he focuses on what's in your heart, what's in your mind. Like yeah. he, he, he will occasionally tell you how things look or something, but yeah. he, he's just not that, it's not important, it's not as important to deal with that as it is to just get the basics right. about the fact that you have angels with you, you're safe, you're protected from harm and yeah. from evil and things like that. So we'll start out a good O for one. We don't really know the exact <laughs> answer to that. All right, let's look at the next question. Thanks so much. All right, so this is from Keith on Will, Understanding, and How to Get into Heaven. Swedenborg talks about us being in heaven and earth at the same time. Does this mean that my wife who has passed is able to interact with my spirit? in heaven. So, Keith, thinking about you and sorry for your loss, and my initial reaction is there's a lot of connection there that Swedenborg comments on. Yes, that does. He, talk, he, he does talk about the spirits dwelling together. Uh, I don't know exactly what that's like from the other side, what that consciousness yeah. is like. He says that generally that, that spirits are present with us in our thoughts and feelings. They may not know whether we're 
you know, wearing this bathrobe or that bathrobe or what, right. you know, but, but present with our, our thoughts and feelings. And so there is some kind of togetherness. And yet when people get together after death, there's this joyful reunion as if it wasn't full, you know, it didn't, it wasn't satisfying yeah. across all the whole spectrum or something. Um, well, he says that married partners when, when the, who truly love each other, the spirit of one continues to dwell with the other even if they're separated that's by right. death. And so obviously with what we've just been talking about tonight, it's a good, good question because um, with thought bringing presence, all, all it needs is thought to yeah. achieve presence, let alone love, yep. that love is a union or a bond. Yeah. You know, it, it, yes, you're, you're bound to be together in that same emotional space, I think, even though it's a little frustrating that you don't have the conscious contact. Most people yeah. don't, you know. Right, and we don't know on, on the other side how conscious are they of that, or how, how, um, right. se- how much is there a sensory perception in their consciousness. That's right. It might be similar to ours where they are just thinking of us a lot yeah. and wondering how we're doing or something like that. But the, isn't it fascinating that Swedenborg can go ahead and write three million words, Latin words, on the afterlife and how it... But he doesn't address some of these most basic questions people have. I think it goes to show how important he felt like this other stuff was. Yes. The, the regeneration, the how to get get yourself right. from hell to heaven, this sort of stuff. How to be a good person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because that'll be critical to how it goes when the actual reunion occurs right, in the right, other right. life and all that. So, yeah. oh, for two? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think thanks so. so much for your question. This is Christian Swenson on Good versus Evil on the Mountain. What happens to a person after death who has a mental illness that prevents them from developing rationally? And certainly there can be even just purely physical conditions of the structures of the brain. Absolutely. That Swedenborg acknowledges those impede your ability to function. It maybe delays your spiritual development. He says nobody is reformed in a state where they're not rational. Well, you don't have that freedom and rationality. And yeah, even that's right. We are obviously so, our body is so important to our experience of this world here that it doesn't matter how whole and complete your spirit is, if it doesn't have the proper machine to work through here, that can change things. Yeah, that's right. And he describes people that he sees, Swedenborg does, uh, in the spiritual world, uh, about whom he feels that he has no sense that they're spiritual at all. They've almost yeah. lived like animals, basically, yeah. just like just the lights aren't on, you know. Uh, and yet he'll see them just blossom into this wisdom. So yeah. I like to think he doesn't say point blank that I know of, but yeah. but I like to think that that applies to people who've had pro- just a physical problem or, yeah. or sometimes your development is set back or whatever it is. People were you know, asking that, me that recently. would be a kind of blossoming like you come into the light right. and you come into this angelic wisdom. Yeah, I, was getting, I was talking to some, a group recently about addiction and like all the science on how that just rewires your brain so much that it just, yeah, right. you're not going to be able to just think your way out of it. Right. Um, but also it's interesting that he says nobody is reformed in a state where you don't have rationality. It's not the same as there's no development. It's maybe like you, right. don't, you, don't, get your, you don't have your chance to rege- do the regeneration part of growth. But that doesn't mean if we're here 
in this world, there's got to be some use that's happening. So you've got to be able to be laying some foundation. There's got to be some kind of positive yeah. progress that's made, or else, right. or else you wouldn't be here. You'd be in the next life. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So something good is happening. And he does talk about, like sometimes he'll use this phrase, if not in this world, then in the next kind of, yeah. you know, that kind of thing that it can develop. Obviously, uh, lots of people, and even more so in his day, died in infancy, you yes, know, right. and so all that development happens on on the other side, you know. Right. And, and so I think it's a very merciful system and, you know, because uh, we have a certain nature and so the Lord will work with whatever that is after we die. Yeah. And when you're rid of the flesh, it's just, he says it's like coming from darkness into the light. You know, I, I think it's going to be amazing for all of us to yeah. have that experience. And you never know, like, what, what imp spiritual impact, whatever conditions you're in, are having. That no, you don't. You don't know, right. like, what... Above your pay grade. Regard, like, whatever your physical, mental situation is, you, like, you don't know, like, wh nobody, you can't know about somebody else. Well, what, what choices are they actually dealing with in their, yeah. in their inner right. thoughts and feelings? What are they learning about humility, compassion, all those sorts of things? And we ourselves often don't know. That we, right. We are trying to uh, feel like we are participating in it and like we're kind of managing our own spiritual growth, but we're not. I mean, we, we don't know the mechanics. Right. It's much like uh, the difference between voluntary and involuntary stuff in the body that I can say, oh, I'm going to breathe, but all I do is just kind of like, I don't even know what that, how, how to describe that. You just like ask for your body to do something. All the complexity of the uh, oxygen getting to your like alveoli or the bronchial something about it. and how that's transferred into the blood. I'm not doing that. You know, right. so similarly, God, God is accomplishing all this spiritual stuff, even if we think, oh, well, nothing can be coming out of this. And some adults who have full freedom and rationality then get in a car accident, they're in a coma for 30 years. Yeah. Something's going on there. Right, right. You know, I, I don't think the, the Lord is not taking advantage of that time to move your spiritual life forward because yeah. that's what he cares about Absolutely. above all else. Absolutely. Know, so. Cool. Well, so thanks so much for the question. We're going to do one more. This is Eric Hernandez on the episode, What It Means to Be a Church. Did Swedenborg mention anything about the angels' finite development in heaven? They undergo refinement and perfection, but up to what extent or is it forever? Mm. And it seems to... He does get into this. Yeah, yeah. That there's an interesting um, combination of finite and infinite that, right. that you can develop and be perfected forever, but at a certain, but you have some kind of parameters set in the kind of person you became in this world. Right. Like it, one thing that he says is basically describes three different kinds of angels. Okay. And each one, uh, in other words, the one word he uses it for is earthly as opposed to spiritual as opposed to heavenly. Well, each of those, you know, that sounds like that's just choices that you made and that's where you are you're on that but you can develop endlessly on that level and yet no amount of developing on that level will kick you up to the next level yeah you know so there are parameters and limits but he does talk about an unending development and perfection that goes yes. on to eternity he even uses this mind-boggling phrase that we're always we're like an egg and then we hatch but then that is an egg to the next thing that happens. Yeah. And so to all eternity, we're never in more than the egg stage compared to the limitless things yeah. yet to come, right. which is mind-boggling to me, so to say the least. And so um, that type of growth 
uh, and the fact that everybody around you is growing and the connections yeah. between people is growing. Yeah. We talked about this in, in one show about about having uh, where it, it's, I think it's, I've suffered sometimes from sort of a static idea of heaven. There's, it's not a static, the no. way he describes it, it's not at all static. So it's hard to describe what those limits would be. He says to all eternity, you'll never turn into God or something like that's right. just a different level. That's infinite. That really is infinite and ours is always finite, but it has this endless room for expansion. And we get a little glimpse of that even here in this world where no matter how much you've already learned, oh, you can learn a little more or yeah. no matter how much you love, you can love a little more. And so we get to see that even here. And, and I think that just keeps, keeps going like that. Yeah, infinity and eternity is written into everything. You see the way that the human race is progressing. There are so many more people on this planet than there ever were before. Mm. But also we know, I mean, you just, just on a physical, te technological sense, there's so, so much more that we can do now than we've ever been able to do. And that's not about to slow down. Swedenborg talks about the infinite um, potential for germination in organisms, like think about plants right. and if just the seeds that they're carrying, if all those spores grew into full plants and how that would expand and expand and that that's all reflective of the nature of God and as such that's the image God's trying to put into us. Because if you think of if there was ever a limit and it's like, okay, I've finally learned everything, I'm, I've grown as much as I can, now I'm here. Uh. Well. You, it might seem like, okay, so now you're at your plateau, but you think about that plateau extending to eternity, it w would be pointless. No. So right. there's always going to be this growing and this changing because we sort of think like, oh, eventually you'd get up to where God is and you'd have nowhere to go, but th God is actually infinite. This which is unlimited headroom. It yeah, just, just which is mind-boggling, and, and thanks yeah. for uh, getting us to think about it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. That, that was fun, and uh, we want to get, we promised in the beginning we would hear more from Conrad and oh, Paula yeah. about their journey, and so we're going to get to that in the next section. So in searching for answers about life and death and the passing of their son, Conrad and Paula took these two different paths to try to find answers. Conrad went uh, heavily into science and the explanation of the physical world and Paula went into spirituality, but they, they both found that they found affirmation for Swedenborg's concepts and got to a similar place by those paths. So first we're going to hear Conrad talk a little bit about his journey. My wife and I, we took different paths, you know, and she took more of a spiritual path while I took more of a scientific path. And, and we came to the, the same conclusion that, that Swedenborg really made sense, you know, from both perspectives, you know. And she'll tell you a little bit more on the spiritual side, but, you know, we look at these near-death experiences of people reporting what they saw, you know, and, and that really makes sense. You know, we, we look at some of these experiences and, and it's very similar to the stuff that Swedenborg described. And then for me, I, I start, you know, I'm looking at, you know, a lot of the quantum mechanics, you know, particle duality, you know, and, and just realizing that this reality that we have that, you know, it's just a lot more strange than what we imagine, you know, you know, particles could be in two parts in one place, you know, there's entanglement, particle entanglement. And that really helps me connect with Nick because I believe that love is a way of entangling people. And I believe that Nicholas and, and us or myself and Paula, we're always going to be entangled. And just like what Swedenborg said that when you think of somebody with love, they're instantly in your heart. 
And that's because we're entangled. Just like when you look at one particle from far away and you measure that, the other one instantly, even though it's in the other side of the universe, will react, will acknowledge it. You know, that's how I feel. And now even some of the uh, lectures I've been watching from one professor, I think Leonard uh, Suskind, um, he had a big debate with um, Stephen Hawkins on black holes and whether or not everything gets destroyed uh, once it goes through a black hole. And, and actually, he actually wrote a book, I think, the, the War of the Black Holes. But eventually, they were able to convince Stephen Hawkins that, that he was wrong. You know, that, and the new theory that's accepted now by physicists, they say that when things fall into a black hole, what they were is permanently recorded on the event horizon. So basically what really goes into the hole is like a holographic projection of that thing and the real things there. So basically if you were able to throw two telephone books, one from LA and one from New York into a black hole, you'd be on the event horizon, you'd have all the information that worked, that created those things are there. And you'd be able to tell you'd be able to reconstruct it to the point you'd be able to tell this phone book's from LA, this one's from New York. Because the ink is all atoms and all, everything where, how you laid it out is recorded permanently. And now the, the, one of the accepted theories now from physicists is saying that we may be in a hologram ourselves, you know, that the perimeter, the outskirts of the, our universe might be projecting us. And according to the mathematics, they say that uh, it's, it's true, you know, according to the math, you know. And um, so anyway, so what I'm coming to the point is that just because we don't see things and we live through life like this, uh, there's so many strange things in this reality that why, is it, why would it be strange that our consciousness moves on? There's another um, professor, I think from Arizona, and he, he's teamed up, he's a neurologist, and he teamed up with a theoretical physicist. And he was talking about how microtubulars in your brain, your, your, your basic structures of your, your neuron cells, how they, they have, they show quantum processes, basically. So they're saying that, that your consciousness could, you know, just like quantum <laughs> mechanics, it could be at two places at once. So, so why is it weird to think that our consciousness, you know, might not be completely in our head. It could be like in the cloud, you know, something like that. But so why would the spirit world be anything different, you know? So I really, I, I'm, you know, science is bringing me closer to Nicholas and it's also bringing me closer to Swedenborg and, uh, and spirituality is bringing Paola closer to Nicholas and also closer to Swedenborg. So we're both kind of getting in together like that. I really love that, the idea of this quantum entanglement, which is something that's been studied, yeah. it's documented and so on, and thinking of that as applying to the spiritual world. There's just a lot of cool stuff in what he said about how do you know that there isn't another realm, even this world is doing these strange things like this, you know, right. uh, that are bringing things together that are far apart, faster than the speed of light, it's instantaneous. Why wouldn't there be similar, tangible, observable principles at, you know, I work across this. Right. So that was Conrad's journey. And now we want to hear a little bit about Paola and how she came uh, to be working through the sort of the grief and the tragedy that they, they were dealing with and to find some comfort in, in Swedenborg's material and other spiritual teachings and groups and environments. Angels, you know, a hurt angel, they helped me like uh, things like they were coming on my path and I was falling. And uh, uh, I remember that your mom, she was one of them because she sent me like a nice book, like uh, this one, Nobody Dies. And she sent me this book and then this meant so much to me, you know, I read it and then uh, 
you know, and, and that's what I need in that time when I receive it. It's almost like I was receiving gift, you know, and things that were shown on my path. And then one of those, these things was um, that I found this group, which I'm part of, and the name is Alpine Parents Seal. And that was also, I found this group because of a synchronicity of event, and then just came to me, this group. And, um, and there's an incredible group of uh, parents that lost their children, they, they have the children on their other side and uh and it was founded from uh, two parents that they lost their children and uh and it's just like it is a different group compare uh, you know all the other bm i cannot even say the word you know bm and group of you know yep. <laughs> we have group of parents that lost their children because we focus on uh, on the the we start to we, we try to study we study actually the and we discuss about the evidence of an afterlife and in, in a non-dogmatic way so the, any people can be part of this group but it doesn't matter their beliefs the religion that you know they, they believe and uh, and it's a group that gives you hope that gives you hope that there is an afterlife and then we discuss about uh, the sign that our children gives to us you know that they're still in our life you know they are not here in the physical but they are very much present you know with that energy they give us like signs and they help us through this very difficult journey and uh, so you know if there is some any parents out there's listening this interview and uh, and lost you know a child and uh, i really you know, um, you know, advise them to look into this group and I can give her the website, uh, alpinparentsheal.org. And uh, it's an amazing group, like I said, and uh, it's helping me so much. They're like incredible, uh, you know, parents, the help and, and speakers, you know, we have like a little speakers to meet in. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a good help and, uh, and gives you hope, like I said. You know, losing a child is uh, one of the toughest, toughest things that can happen to a parent because you know you, you, it's oh, just like it's like you don't you do it's something horrible, terrible. But uh, so you you know it's like you need you know uh, you need to to have a, I just want to to tell to people if there's somebody out there that lost their child they they are not alone. And you know, and there is you know a support group that is focused on hope, and uh, and, and 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 like it is the only way to be able, in my opinion, to to you will never heal of this. You know, you will never you know you will always like have like a, you will always miss your child, but uh, it, but it gives you like a hope and like of a, you know like. A, keep going to live this life. This is a very hard journey. This life, you know, that's what I learned is uh, the hurt physical life is very hard. And then, I mean, I learned everything I learned. I, I, now, I, I believe it now. I believe that we are a soul in the spiritual body, that we are doing an experience of this uh, physical hurt. And then, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, the experience are very hard. You know, there's so, there's so much suffering out in the world. There's so much suffering and, uh, and and then sometimes from suffering is where it comes growing. So the group that she was describing is Helping Parents Heal, helpingparentsheal.org. I actually had the privilege of getting to, to talk with them just last mm -hmm. night, and it's, it's an awesome mission that they're on and an awesome 
group of people. Um, so she uh, also, Paula also talked a little bit more about how she thinks Swedenborg's concepts can be helpful to, to people of really of all kinds who are dealing with some sort of loss. I think in Swedenborg, it really, it really helped me so much on, uh, it, was, it was just really like, a, because maybe that's what I didn't say on the show that being like Swedenborg, like being so like a, a pioneer, he was a pioneer of uh, this, uh, of all these, uh, out-of-body experience, you know, not, there was not the internet back then. People didn't know about near-death experience, about, you know, a lot of things. Now there is a lot of studying, you know, a lot of talking. And so it's like, uh, it made me think like, uh, wow, you know, it was really, this guy was really ahead of his time. It's like everything made sense. And then I start to study everything. And so everything was getting back to Swedenborg. Like uh, it was really into something and it makes really, the way they describe, you know, this everything makes sense. So I think there will be a lot of uh, help, you know, for all the mom and the parents to see, like, to introduce, like, this Swedenborg philosophy. It's so powerful to me. I mean, could Swedenborg have imagined living at his time that he would be helping people hundreds of years in the future right. with some of the most tragic things they ever go through? And I like the way she described him as a pioneer yeah. there. And so it, it's... Uh, that's when push comes to shove is when you go through something that painful and something in some ways they were saying you, you can never even heal from that yeah. totally or something but you can find a way to to live with it and, and take a positive view of it and everything so to have Swedenborg's works help with a thing like that is just really moving to me yeah totally and, and like the softening of the explaining of the human experience the giving the why to the things we go through the letting us understand uh, you know exactly just how much separation there is and when that will be over I mean all that that's that's I think the, the kind of clarity we want to try to bring I mean that's why people pursue that's spiritual right. knowledge in the first place and even though you're not having that sensory experience of your son anymore yeah you realize through these principles that that love and that thought is bringing you together uh, on another level and who knows us knowing that there is that actual, real, spiritual, literal connection there, it, maybe that opens us up to feeling it more tangibly. Maybe it strengthens yeah. it. If, if, if thought can d bring presence spiritually, what does knowledge do? I mean, do, does it open up things? Does it, does it make it possible? So on that note, hope that, that you all can get something out of this that you can connect with, and that's the end of our show. If you, so if you didn't want to like and subscribe before, but maybe you do now, please <laughs> feel free to do that. And if you want to make this kind of programming possible, consider joining us on Patreon. We are a nonprofit, so it's through donations that this kind of programming can be made. This, and if you go join us on Patreon you know, and pledge a little donation per month, we give you extra behind-the-scenes footage and things mm. as a thank you. This week, we've got more from Conrad and Paola. They've got some stories about these mm. signs that they felt like they were getting from their son, Nick. Uh, so hopefully you'll join us there. Check it out. Dr. Jonathan Rose, thanks so much. Uh, I just have a closing question. Nope, uh, we're is, out of time. <laughs> is, is Matt, is he still I haven't, down? I hadn't heard him for a while. He must have found his way out of the building. 
and somehow okay. that he's so, fine. He's so weird. He's a resourceful anyway. young man. Everybody, yeah. th congrats to all of you for making it through the show. Uh, it's going to be an awesome week next week because here we were talking about that love and, and connection. Mm. And next week, our show is about reunions in the afterlife. Yeah, where you really see this playing out in 3D. Yeah, which is, I don't even think we planned it this way, but it's an awesome companion piece here. To, this is what it's like when you observe, you know, this separation become separation no more. So hopefully we'll join you for that. And uh, in the meantime, hope you have a great week. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. <laughs>